What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Plan B is one of the most notorious Bitcoin investors in the world. He has amassed a loyal and engaged following on Twitter. Plan B also invented the stock-to-flow model that is widely cited throughout the Bitcoin community. In this conversation, we discuss Bitcoin, the stock-to-flow model, price targets, gold, macroeconomics, and external tailwinds. This exact conversation was deleted from YouTube, and they deleted our entire YouTube channel yesterday because they deemed it to be too, quote, dangerous. While I would be laughing, it did get censored on YouTube. So make sure you tune in and share this with all of your friends. Before we get into this episode, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is CoinCloud. Did you know you can buy and sell crypto with cash? I want to introduce you to my friends at CoinCloud, more than just a Bitcoin ATM company. CoinCloud is the world's leading digital currency machine operator. They've been around since 2014 and have thousands of machines across the country. You can buy and sell Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Cardano, and over 30 other digital assets. No connecting bank accounts, no long waits. And if you have questions, you can speak to a live US-based customer support rep 24-7. I've had a lot of Bitcoin ATM companies reach out, but CoinCloud is the only team I found that does things right. They put together a special offer for listeners of the show. You can get $50 in free Bitcoin when you buy $200 or more at any CoinCloud machine and use the promo code POMP. For details, go to coin.cloud slash POMP. Again, coin.cloud slash POMP and use promo code POMP. You get 50 bucks in free Bitcoin when you buy $200 or more at any CoinCloud machine. Next up is Compass Mining. This episode is explicitly sponsored by Compass Mining the world's largest marketplace for mining hardware and hosting. With Compass, everyone can mine Bitcoin. Their team makes it easy to start mining wherever you want, at home or in one of their 23 hosting facilities around the world. Through the Compass Marketplace, retail miners can access mining hardware with similar prices and purchase plans as the world's largest mining companies. Compass miners all their own machines. They choose whatever mining pool they want and they mine directly to their own wallet. Miners who don't want to host their machines can order ASICs directly to their doorstep. Simple and low-cost hosting agreements coupled with best-in-class customer service are the reasons why Compass is the simplest and most popular way to mine Bitcoin. Start mining your own Bitcoin by visiting compassmining.io today. Compassmining.io today. Next up is Athletic Greens. AG1 by Athletic Greens, the category-leading superfood product, brings comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition to everybody. Keeping up with the research, knowing what to do, and taking a bunch of pills and capsules is hard on the stomach and hard to keep up with. To help each of us be at our best, they simplify the path to better nutrition by giving you the one thing with all of the best things. One scoop of AG1 contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. The special blend of high-quality bioavailable ingredients and a scoop of AG1 work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, support energy and focus, aid with gut health and digestion, and support a healthy immune system, effectively replacing multiple products or pills with one healthy, delicious drink. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com slash pomp today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash pomp to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. Athleticgreens.com slash pomp. All right, let's get into this episode of Plan B. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right. First, I want to start with a stock to flow model. Uh, You're the creator of this, and most people point to it as uh, kind of the single guiding light to them in terms of uh, the relationship of Bitcoin's price to these halving cycles. So talk us through a little bit about what the stock to flow model is and then what it's showing us so far. Yeah, so the stock to flow ratio is a a ratio from the commodities market actually that that, uh, tells you something about an asset's scarcity. It divides the uh, stock, the the reserves of a certain asset uh, by the flow, the the newly issued um, 
bitcoins or, or gold, newly mined gold. And if you divide the stock by the flow, you get the stock to flow ratio. So that ratio was known for ages in the commodities market. What I did was connect that with the market value of, uh, well, Bitcoin in the beginning, but later also the other assets uh, like silver and diamonds and gold and real estate. And what you find that there is a perfect linear relationship in the uh, logarithmic space. So that was quite shocking. And, and with that, you can uh, you can actually predict the price of Bitcoin very roughly, I should say, but you can do it. And uh, because we know the stock to flow ratio of, of uh of Bitcoin, it's it's pre-programmed, and that's yeah, that's a very nice thing, and it, it's of course very bullish uh, at, at the moment. It predicts um, somewhere around a hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin for the current halving cycle, which is uh, 2020, 2024. So uh, we're actually heading towards that. Yeah, it's uh, it's that. So when you think of the stock to flow ratio, one of the things that I'm fascinated by is it comes from the commodities market, but it's actually potentially more accurate when it comes to Bitcoin, because we know with certainty and can prove the supply um, of both the outstanding supply and the daily incoming supply. Describe a little bit about why that certainty and that, that verifiability is so important to the accuracy of a model like this. Yeah. So, for example, with gold, we don't know how much gold is mined every year. It's it's uh, we, we can make a forecast, uh, but we don't know it um, precisely. And a lot of factors impact that that uh, supply, that that mine supply of of uh, gold. And, and one of the factors impacting that is, is is price. Right. If the price of gold is high, then the miners will will uh, increase their production. And if the price of gold is low, they will uh, decrease the, the production and the mining of gold with Bitcoin. Um, every, yeah. Well, the whole production, the whole flow is pre-programmed every 10 minutes on average, right? Every 10 minutes, there's a block. And in that block is a, a block subsidy um, with the new Bitcoins for the miner that uh, found the hash of that block. So uh, we know sort of that every 10 minutes and, and, and for the whole year, uh, how, how much Bitcoins will be mined. Uh, of course, we don't know it exactly because there is some... Um, variability in the in the 10 minute interval sometimes it, it, it lasts an hour sometimes you have uh, like three blocks in in 10 minutes but on average we know and, and especially long term we know what the stock to flow ratio will be and thus what the price will be roughly so when you think about these having cycles, obviously there's a supply shock, um, but how do you think about uh, kind of the cyclical nature of this, right? Is there a point where you expect the model or ratio to be invalidated, uh, either through external forces um, or people start to uh, kind of price it in and, and front run it? Like, how do you think about uh, the fact that we do know the supply and that helps for the accuracy of uh, stock to flow, but at some point does that become a, a negative? Yeah, there's several aspects to that. Um, of course, from efficient market hypothesis, you would expect that this knowledge uh, and the model would be priced in. So I actually, and, and most people with me, expected the halving, uh, the May 2020 halving, would be priced in already. So we did, we would not see the actual price rise that we're seeing now. That is uh, very much in line with the stock to flow model because. All the information is out there, the stock information, the flow, the stock to flow ratio and the model. So uh, it, it shouldn't follow the model as closely as it does today. Uh, on the other hand, there's there's a lot of people not believing the model and the model, of course, hasn't proven itself. So uh, may, maybe that that sort of um, puts the efficient market hypothesis argument aside. But on the other hand, um, it, I, I think that the stock to flow model uh, will break uh, in the future because um, one of the nice things about the stock to flow uh, model and especially the stock to flow cross asset model the stock to flow x model which also incorporates uh, data from the gold market diamond market real estate market and silver market so other uh, stores of value if you will if we um, look at, at that stock to flow x model we can interpolate the data uh, because gold has a higher stock-to-flow ratio than Bitcoin, and real estate has a higher higher uh, stock-to-flow ratio. Gold is 60, around 60, and real estate is around 100, uh, where Bitcoin is 50, 55 right now. Um, so we know, we, we can 
within the data set we have available with with gold and and and, and real estate in there with market values of of uh, 10 trillion for the gold market and 100 trillion for the real estate market we can we can interpolate within the data set and uh, and of course that ends because if bitcoin um, will have its next halving in 2024 the bitcoin stock to flow ratio will jump to 100 which is very cl- yeah which is approximately the same as um, real estate um, but after next halving where we jump to 200 stock to flow ratio for, for bitcoin we're out of the model data uh, bounds if you will and then we have to extrapolate which which is what basically all the other models are doing they, they're extrapolating into the future um, which is very dangerous and, and one of the big assets big advantages of the stock to flow model the stock for x model in particular is that the, the, this interpolation can be done so to be sh- in short i think the stock to flow model uh, will end uh, to be valid somewhere after next halving when the stock to flow is above 100 because we cannot uh, interpolate anymore and of course that that, that means probably that the dollar uh, the denominator in that model w- w- will end to play a big role or or or, or something I, I, of course it doesn't say that bitcoin will die or something it's it's or, or <laughs> you know it's it's just a model it will not be very accurate after that for sure. And one of the things that I appreciate about you is not only can you look at something like the stock to flow model and talk about um, kind of these cyclical natures of the havings, but also you've got a very good understanding of market structures uh, and various things that happen on the exchanges. You had a tweet recently talking about these sell walls as uh, kind of pure scare tactics. And we've pulled up the tweet here. Describe a little bit more about what goes on uh, in these order books with these sell walls and how folks are using them as a scare tactic. Yeah, what most people maybe don't know is my background is in institutional investment, and uh, I've been in uh, institutional investor roles uh, my entire life. So I um, started at a dealing a dealing room in uh, FX trading, then went to banking balance sheets and, and insurance balance sheets, and lately my latest job was uh, managing a pension balance sheet uh, with the team, uh, and that balance sheet was a hundred billion uh, US dollars approximately. So. I, yeah, I spent my life chasing those those charts that you have in front there, and and chasing those sell walls and buy walls, and I yeah, what what I noticed was that most people are sort of scared by those big walls, those big big uh, sell walls uh, in this case in in, in that chart, um, and 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 of course the most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, these sell walls are just there to scare people in. Uh, not buying or or even selling and um because they signal um well don't come here where at the price level where the sell wall is because we will uh we will sell and we will keep the price under this level but in fact what you see in real life nine in ten times you see that as as the price approaches the sell wall uh the sell wall gets gets uh, gets cancelled and, and moved uh, further away. So uh, in this case, the price, uh, the sell wall will be moved at a higher price. So it's it's just scare tactics. And uh, I thought it was uh, a good thing for uh, to, to, to put that in the tweet for other people to know. For sure. No, I, I think that people really appreciate that one. Uh, when you start to think about whether it's the sell walls on the order books, whether it's the stock to flow uh, ratio, how do you think about what I'll call more quantifiable metrics and, and analysis with things like regulation or uh, things that seem to be more external to the asset itself? Do you worry about that stuff? Do you think about it? Uh, do you incorporate it in any way into your analysis? Yeah, I, I certainly uh, think about it and, and, and follow it like like a hawk because uh, the big moves in Bitcoin were were all sort of triggered by um, regulatory changes, regulatory uh, clarity. Um, so I track all the important news and I put it in a database as well. Um, however, I don't use it as an explicit input variable in my in my models. Um, uh, b- both the uh, the stock to flow model, which only has one input, which is stock to flow ratio, but also the on-chain models or the floor models, uh, more technical analysis-based models, they don't use that kind of information. But um, in fact, 
those kinds of news events, it could be regulatory news, but it could also be other macroeconomic news, um, like like El Salvador adopting Bitcoin or or China banning Bitcoin, etc. This this kind of news is very difficult to predict uh, once it happens and what the impact will be. Is it priced in? Do people expect it or not? Uh, so I regard those as trigger events um, that that create uh, an outlier in the model, or um, and, and that means that there is a spike uh, above the model value or below the value uh, of the model. But those are those spikes, those those trigger events are very rare and are very like black swan events. So they they cause some some variation in the model, some model error, but they don't. Um, disturb the general trend in the in the models. That's what I would. Uh, yeah, that's how I look at it. And how do you think about your investing philosophy? Do you try to trade around the asset based on uh, all of the data you look at? Are you just dollar cost averaging, buy and hold? Like, like talk to us a little bit about the philosophy that you use, given that you do have uh, at least a um, an understanding of what some of the data says. Does that change what you do at all? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm more an investor than a trader, and certainly not a day trader. So uh, I, I bought. I was lucky to buy Bitcoin in uh, 2015 and 2016 when the price was 400, 500, uh, kindish. Uh, so, so uh, th- those are my, my my Bitcoin investments, and and um, I, I've told in other uh, interviews as well that I I sold uh, half of that stash in uh, uh well shortly after the peak in in, two th- uh, in december 2017 um uh, based on uh stock to flow kind of models so uh and and i reinvested that half that i sold uh, j- just before i published the article uh, about stock to flow because i knew uh, we were at a very low uh, level compared to the uh, stock to flow model at that time. So, so in that way, I, I sort of trade or sort of try to time the uh, uh, the peaks and 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 the bottoms. But that's that's on a monthly or even yearly basis. And I certainly do not trade uh, on an hourly basis. That that being said, I am very intrigued, as you know, by on chain analysis. Uh, I do a lot of on chain analysis, and I, I have a great team of quants around me um, that can do all sorts of programming, uh, the blockchain uh, data uh, and, and, and getting signals from there. And that's very, very interesting. And, and sometimes you can, you can actually uh, find patterns that, that are tradable on, on a daily or, or weekly or monthly basis. So on a shorter interval than I'm, I'm used to invest. And, and we are, um, yeah, making use of those patterns uh, with uh, algorithmic uh, trading uh, software. So we, we write, write our own uh, trading software that automatically scans for those anomalies and, and uh, yeah, make, make use of that. And that, that was one of my skills also uh, in my institutional career. That I, Yeah, the, the algorithmic trading part is, is very, very interesting in the Bitcoin space. Tell us more about the institutional interest, whatever you can share, whether it's uh, organizations that you work at or have worked at, or uh, just kind of conversations with uh, former colleagues, peers, people you know in the industry. What's the general sense from the institutions in terms of Bitcoin, uh, what they're allocating, how they're thinking about those allocations? Yeah, so I'm Amsterdam-based. I, I talk a lot with um, uh, European investors, some some U.S. investors, but it's it's mainly a European uh, perspective that I have. Uh, well, certainly the companies that I worked were not very interested in um, in Bitcoin yet, because mainly because of uh, regulation and and well misinformation, uh, if you will, because they. Most of them thought it was for criminals. It was for um, and and governments would ban it and all that. And 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 of course, for an institutional party like a bank or, or an insurance company, uh, they have capital regimes uh, with, with their uh, central bank. So they'll have to put capital aside uh, for for every investment they make. If if the investment is more ri- more risky, like Bitcoin, they have to um, they have to park more. 
capital for that investment. And for Bitcoin, it's only it's it's almost one to one. So if they if they would do a uh, billion dollars in Bitcoin, they would they would have to park a one billion dollars in in uh, equity as well. And and that is of course not not doable. It's it's more doable for um, for hedge funds. So what I see is it's it's not the big institutions, pension funds, insurance companies, and banks that are investing on their own balance sheet or are interested in Bitcoin, but it is the uh, hedge funds, the um, family offices very much so, and commodity investors, especially the gold and, and uh, commodity investors are, of course, very much into the same philosophy that Bitcoiners have with uh, sound money. Um, and yeah, so family offices, commodity investors, and um, hedge funds, those those are the, the, the ones I see active, and the other ones are... <laughs> we'll be late as usual. And when you wake up in the morning, like what do you check first? What's the data sources that you find most valuable um, or, or in terms of just understanding what's happening in the market, whether it's the short term or long term period? Um, well, to be honest, the price is one of the first things, uh, the Bitcoin price, one of the first things uh, I check because that's the most yeah, accurate and, and, and uh, timely information. Uh, if, if, if it's the same as the as when I went to bed, then nothing happened. If it's uh, if it, if it has a big uh, delta, then something happened. And then I go on Twitter, which I find is my the most direct and and um, and accurate information source there is. Because yeah, well, one thing I learned is to to not read mainstream media or watch mainstream television or even uh, things uh, media sources like uh, like CNN and Bloomberg or the Wall Street Journal. Uh, that are considered the, the creme de la creme in institutional investing. Um, I have to, I have learned that with these new uh, investments like like Bitcoin, you better um, ditch those uh, standard sources and 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 go to Twitter and the experts in the field because that's the yeah the most direct way of uh, getting information. Yeah. And when you think about portfolio construction uh, for yourself or for the institutions, maybe both, um, is this still something that is like a very small allocation or is it something that uh, is being used to like denominate the whole portfolio? Or how, how do you just think about the portfolio construction and, and any sort of concentration uh, targets? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a tricky question because um, I think for institutions, of course, that's very important. To uh, to keep the risk profile uh, sort of constant and, and within their mandate, so they'll uh, they'll have to sell Bitcoin as soon as it rises uh, to keep to keep the the concentration uh, low and and within mandate uh, boundaries. But with uh, hedge funds or family offices or, uh, or or for my own investments, I don't have those those mandates or, or boundaries, so I can. Uh, what, what what I see in practice that what starts as a small investment. A, a couple percent investment in in, in Bitcoin soon uh, grows to a, uh, a double-digit um, um, position in in uh, in Bitcoin, and uh, well, after a few years, uh, four or five years, it it sort of dominates your portfolio. That sure is true with my uh, my own investments as well. For sure. And then before I let my brothers ask a couple of questions. What do you think is uh, the likely price for Bitcoin by the end of the year? And do you think that the bull market ends at the end of the year or does it carry us into the beginning of 2022? Yeah, that's the most uh, asked question. <laughs> uh, I, I would be very, very surprised if Bitcoin price would be below $100,000 at the end of the year. That would, well, sort of invalidate my view, my models and... Uh, that would that would certainly surprise me. I I do think uh, we will see a price that is uh, at least under the thirty five thousand uh, dollars by Christmas because uh, that's what my floor model says. And uh, basically, I'm I'm using three kind of models that that all say the same thing. So stock to flow, which has a hundred thousand on average for the entire cycle, and we're mind you we're one and a half years into that cycle and with below 100,000 prices. So we'll have to, to spend the next two and a half years um, markedly above 100,000 to make that that average. And the second model I use is the on-chain uh, stuff. Um, that that on-chain stuff is really good at, at, the, at identifying bottoms and peaks. So uh, we're now talking uh, peaks, of course. 
So I know quite uh, um, well, certain, not not guaranteed, but but I, I will have high high confidence in that the on-chain indicators will signal a top. And if you if we look at the on-chain signals right now. I would say that top is at least a couple of months, say six months uh, from here. So, so that would be end of Q1, maybe maybe later. Um, and then the third kind of models that I use, of course, is that, that floor model, 135,000. Uh, that's that's not based on stock to flow. It's 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 based on other. It's it's a proprietary thing, but it's based on based on other stuff, technical and on chain. Um, so yeah, uh, and, and by the way, that's very good at, like the like the name says, on, at at, at um, indicating bottoms. So I guess we will be above hundred thousand, above hundred thirty five thousand at the end of the year, and then we'll continue to grow, maybe towards the stock to flow X uh, model targets, two hundred eighty eight, uh, or even above. I would not be surprised even to see uh, in Q one or Q two next year. Prices of uh, 300, 400, 500,000 uh, uh, dollars. But I do think, um, and, and I noticed you were talking before in the show that I'm a full bull, that I'm full bull. I am uh, right now. But I'm quite sure that there will be a time when I switch from bull to, uh, to bear, like I did in, uh, at the end of uh, 2017. And I'm, I, yeah, to be honest, I'm, I'm a bit, bit of struggling with that. So I, I don't. I, I I don't want to disclose it because um, I want to at least disclose it responsibly and not be responsible for triggering the bear market. Uh, so uh, if people have ideas for that, I, uh, um, I I think they are very welcome. And and so when you think about that two hundred eighty eight. Uh thousand dollar price. I think a lot of people have heard you say that before. Uh, but when you say that it could go higher, 300, 400, 500,000 dollars, is that just pure uh, kind of FOMO and a blow off top uh, that drives that? Or is there something else that you're looking at that shows that, hey, maybe we do go past that 288 um, that the uh, stock to flow model has there? No, no, that that will indeed be a FOMO. And, and that will be very uh, clearly marked in the on-chain um, um, analysis, uh, which is looking for certain kinds of transactions that I, uh, that, which I called them before, but those are FOMO transactions. So, so if 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 I, if the if the algos um, uh, see the, the the FOMO kind of transactions uh, coming in, then the end is near. Um, and yeah, so so I would envision like, uh, for example, going to 500k uh, somewhere Q Q2 or something, and then crash back. Um, um, well, uh, maybe eighty percent again to uh, to one hundred k. Have a bit of a bear market and then continue um, another cycle, uh, starting uh, with the halving in two thousand twenty four. Going from uh, 57,000 today to five hundred k in Q two, back down to one hundred k, and then continuing into the next uh, halving. Uh, while it sounds crazy to uh, to a lot of people, uh, would be pretty consistent with uh, what we've seen in the past in terms of volatility, uh, both up and down. So it's uh, so it's interesting to hear you say that, uh, Joe. What questions do you have? Yeah, Plan B. Thanks for doing this. I know uh, I, I'm a big fan of yours and, and your models and your analysis. So uh, I know a lot of others are also. My question would be around uh, kind of the correction that you just spoke of, right? Which is we're at 57, 58,000 now almost. Uh, you, you're saying that it's going to average at least 100,000 over this cycle, which is 2020 to 2024. So we obviously have to go much higher, whether it's 300,000, 400,000, 500,000. Uh, we'll see. But traditionally, there's also been an 80% correction. So is that something that you think will, in, in fact, happen again? Uh, and kind of how are you thinking about that in the long term? Yeah, I, I do think that's exactly what will happen again. I can be wrong, by right? <laughs> that's, that's, let, let me be very clear. I can be wrong. But I do think that four-year cycle that is sort of uh, triggered by the halving is a very real thing. It has to do with the uh, scarcity of Bitcoin. It has to do with the shortage uh, that we're seeing right now. Um, you know, uh, bitcoins are traded on exchanges, and and the exchanges have some some inventory of Bitcoin, and and uh, and you can buy it, you can sell it, but it's basically not on-chain transactions. It's it's bitcoins that are on the exchange, and, and you buy them from other sellers, or you sell them to other buyers. But if you look on-chain, so the bitcoins that are in cold storage that that large investors have, you can 
very clearly see these these waves of shortage and and we're in in one right now uh that that will at least last another couple of months before it's uh it's really <laughs> well out of salaries if, if, if you will but yeah from from there um and, and and whatever news will trigger it i don't know i i do think there will be a crash um and it could be as large as the crashes we've seen in the past we have had three crashes of 80 percent and i see no reason why we couldn't have another one uh which of course is always short-lived and an excellent opportunity to buy more bitcoin but uh, it could be quite scary for for newcomers which is uh, uh well uh, precisely what of course those those cycles do they shake out people that are leveraged that are uh investing with too much money that are not certain of their investment uh, strategy that are well those those you need those those really committed hotlers if you will and uh, they'll rise again John, what do you think? Yeah, Plan B, nice to uh, virtually meet you. Congrats on all the success so far. I know you reached 1 million Twitter followers in just about three years. So that's that's pretty impressive. Um, I want to talk about your stock to flow model real quick. So you have it projected at hitting about a million dollars a coin by 2025. Do you believe this? Do you still believe it? And then if so, how do we get there? Yes, yeah, so I, I really do uh, think that we have at least one more cycle to go in the stock to flow prediction. Uh, so yeah, that would bring Bitcoin um, in in the one one million to five million dollar range, uh, and I do I really do believe that that we're getting there, and so that would be the path that we're seeing right now. We're we're going from from uh, fifty seven or right now to sixty three ninety eight in November, and thirty five uh, for example, or, or something above that, right? Um, in in December, and then. Uh, then FOMO starts to kick in. We go to 200, 300, 400, whatever, and then crash. And from there, we wait till the next halving. And the next halving will be another another important fundamental and even maybe structural event for, for Bitcoin. Because minor, I, I think that's that's what people misunderstand, that that, uh, that it's all about the um, the supply and, and uh, the doubling of the, the stock to flow ratio, which, which which is an important part. But the other part is that miners will have to survive that event because their their income, their their source of income and their um, revenue stream will, will halve. And, and they'll have to switch to, uh, to new equipment, find better ways uh, to fund themselves and, and be much more efficient in their business. And if the, if the miners and the whole business survives another halving, that's a major accomplishment. And, and, and that will trigger uh, the next, the next uh, rise from, say, 100,000 after the next crash to, uh, well, 10x, uh, 20, 30x, uh, that amount, which is... Yeah, in in the millions, indeed. It's it's pretty crazy, Plan B. When you start to look at this, uh, when most people would hear, let's say, twenty twenty five, a million to five million, that feels like it's a very uh, wide aperture in terms of outcomes. Help people understand why it's so hard to pinpoint, you know, a million to two million, let alone one to five million. Right? I don't think people quite get. Um, kind of this idea of even into Q one, Q two of next year, if your uh, kind of thesis plays out. You said, hey, 288's in the model, but 300, 400, 500, that's a pretty big uh, variation as well. So, so help people understand like what drives uh, that variability there. Yeah, I think that's an important question. And it's it's uh, it's funny to see that how naturally and logical that, that path of Bitcoin is to me and how, how amazing it can be for, for newcomers and, 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 and traditional investors indeed. Uh, and it's, it's, the trick is to, to look at it exponentially uh, so in logarithmic scale, if you will, because um, the it's not about the price level; it's about the growth level, the, the percentage growth that is that is constant or or high at least. And uh, maybe to to uh, explain that, it, 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 um, if you if, if you look at my my followers, um, which is one million now, which was which was unthinkable even a year ago, let, let alone two years ago. So three years ago, I started with, um, I, I crossed the, the thousand uh, followers boundary. Um, and a, a year later, I crossed the 10,000 
and then a year later, so the second year I crossed uh, the hundred thousand, and now in the third year I crossed a million. And 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 if you if you look at that that path, it's it's ten x every year or twenty percent every month, and so it's amazing growth. And, and and people start to see it when you're when you're big, but in fact it's 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 a constant growth of twenty percent per month. And and yeah, that that was two hundred thousand new followers last month, but it will probably be two hundred and twenty um, thousand uh, new followers next month. And and it, so that twenty percent is constant. And the same is with the Bitcoin price. Bitcoin goes, uh, yeah, let's say at ten x every every two years. Uh, so so hundred x every four year per- period. And uh, that is amazing. Uh, if if you if yeah, to hear that. But if you actually experience that or look at the data, but that's different. That's but if you experience and as I did, of course, buying at four or five hundred and then going to four or five thousand, and now we're at, at 40, 50,000, that's that's a hundred X. And that and there are people that have thousand X their investment or ten thousand X. And that 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 constant uh, growth, I guess, is very uh, specific to Bitcoin and uh, triggered by the halving period the scarcity that's intrinsic in bitcoin and that makes it such a perfect uh, store of value and and, and more of more people uh, more and more people will recognize this this unique property what's the thing that uh, when you look forward you're most excited to is there a price milestone is there a number of entities on chain is there some sort of uh, kind of external milestone what, what's the thing that you're like man when this happens that's going to be pretty cool i'm really looking forward to it <laughs> well, uh, on the short term, I, I would be very uh, would be very nice if we hit that uh, sixty three thousand uh, mark uh, end of this month, because <laughs> I guess that that's what really uh, did it last time, uh, nailing the forty seven and forty three thousand uh, last two months. So sixty three would be nice. Of course, the hundred k, the hundred k is sort of the make or break uh, for for the stock to flow model. So I, I really hope we hit that, and and I'm quite certain. Uh, or not uncertain, I should say, uh, that we're going to hit that. Um, and after that, um, I think the most amazing thing for most people and also for myself will be that on-chain model turning red, the FOMO transactions that will be detectable, and me uh, as the full bull um, turning uh, turning bear. And, and um as I said, I'm struggling with that. How to how to communicate it? Maybe that's the best time to go dark. But um, yeah, I, I think there will be a time where, where we switch uh, f- from bull to bear, and that, of course, is is a a, uh, a great attri- a great thing uh, of a model that it, it's it's not always uh, bull bull bull, but that and and you're not always a moon boy, but that you that you can predict the downsides as well. So yeah, I'm not looking forward to, to it uh, on the one hand, but I, I feel it's going to happen someday uh, later next year. But yeah, I'm very much sort of looking forward to that moment. Do you have any thoughts on a Bitcoin ETF and how that could either uh, support, accelerate or uh, be detrimental to a uh, stock to flow model? Yes, uh, stock to flow ETF will make Bitcoin available for the masses, for, for uh, pop and mom and uh, investors. And yeah, it will be a, a huge thing for the market. Um, uh, although we, of course, think, well, you can, you can buy Bitcoin right now. Why, why should you pay the, uh, the fees that are associated with these funds? But it makes it easy for, for the crowds. The hurt will be coming then. And, uh, and that will be a big, big thing. So, yeah, I think it's coming maybe this month. Um, maybe next month, but it will it will be there. Of course, the uh, Gary Gansler from the SEC has already sort of nudged um, that that it is possible to start a uh, futures a Bitcoin futures uh, ETF right now, which um, which I think uh, has already been um, receiving applications for that at the moment. So so yeah, I would be very, very surprised if that would not be introduced this year. And what I also found very interesting was that one of the applications and one of the interviews with with one of the um, uh, future ETFs, Bitcoin ETFs, was that they mentioned stock to flow model as one of the models that they're tracking uh, for future value. And uh, yeah, well, 
I think that's if, once you've seen that, once you've when once you understand the exponential growth and the four year cycles, yeah, I think it's it's an asset you cannot you cannot uh, deny. How about the macro environment? Things like interest rates or quantitative easing, both in the United States and abroad. How do you think about that affecting this? Is it something where uh, Bitcoin just remains non-correlated and you know it's worth paying attention to, but but doesn't ultimately have an effect on price? Or do you think that we've seen more correlation and therefore, if there's some sort of tapering or uh, kind of slowdown in some of those activities, that it could be negative for Bitcoin? Yeah, I think it's very important. Uh, I think it's the uh, one of the reasons that Satoshi, of course, made Bitcoin. It was against debasement, against money printing, which was uh, very much uh, uh, present in, in 2008 when he wrote the uh, white paper, the white paper and the software, because that was at the peak of the financial crisis, the global financial crisis at the time, and the white paper was uh, the Bitcoin white paper was published uh, 45 days after the Lehman default. So yeah, it's, it's very, very important. It's also one of the reasons that I started looking from an institutional investor point of view um, towards alternative investments. Um, because, because I saw the, especially in Europe, of course, we have negative interest rates and that, yeah, that turns your world upside down. That you, you, ha you <laughs> uh, school or university doesn't teach you that. So uh, how do you uh, survive a negative interest rate uh, environment and, and what does that tell you? Negative interest rates. So, uh, well, everybody's looking for yield and and rates that are not negative. I started looking at alternatives and came to uh, came to Bitcoin through that. So I'm I'm very grateful to the central bankers for introducing quantitative easing and negative interest rates because otherwise I would never have found Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, I think. Uh, what we also saw is that all the price uh, movement, a lot of price movement uh, in other markets, like like the stock market, like the S&P 500, were um, related or correlated with with uh, uh, quantitative easing and possible tapering and and uh, yeah, uh, the money printing, if you will. So if, if, if money is printed, that money has to go somewhere. And first it will be to bonds, uh, government bonds, but the receivers of those bonds, usually banks or governments, uh, will spend that money again. And, and so it will, it will end up in the hands of the, well, the second layer that receives that, that money. And, uh, and some of those, those companies and, and, and people will buy equities, real estate, and Bitcoin. And that's why we see all these markets go up because there's just too much money. And in a way, it's just yeah, too much money chasing few goods. So all the prices of those assets go up. Asset inflation is, is very real these days as all the invest, uh, uh, real estate investors will, will notice as well, and equity investors as, as well. So um, will the markets decouple? Well. It seems like it today uh, or, or this week because uh, Bitcoin goes up and all the other markets are not following. Uh, even the altcoin markets are not uh, not following Bitcoin this time. So I guess in the end, um, Bitcoin is the ultimate store of value uh, um, consistent with my stock to flow model. Um, it, it, it is not as scarce as, as, as gold or about as scarce as gold today, uh, but not as scarce as real estate today. So real estate is one of those big money uh, store of values um, today. But in the end, Bitcoin will have this, the same scarcity, the same stock to flow ratio as real estate, and it will be portable and communicatable by, by, uh, by a phone line, by an internet connection. So it will be better than, than gold and real estate together. And once people see that, the, the, the lids are off and we go, uh, much higher in price than we're at today. How do you think about those other assets, right? Either uh, for your own uh, portfolio or for those investors, is this something where, let's take real estate investors, uh, they begin to see that asset appreciation, they see their rents going up, they're continuing to make more and more money. And is it a thing where like that capital eventually will flow into Bitcoin as well? Uh, because they understand store value, they understand scarcity, they understand like a hard asset uh, compared to that fiat devaluation. Uh, or do you think that people who have been investing in the analog market uh, like a real estate investor, they just have a hard time understanding buying a virtual uh, item or, or something that is this like global, digital, decentralized store of value. 
Yeah, both points are true, I think. Uh, so money will start to flow uh, from real estate and gold and, and, and other investments towards Bitcoin, the new investment. And and yes, it is a, a um, generational thing as well, because uh, the older guys that are not used to uh, computers, they will have difficulty with understanding um, virtual assets. You, you see it with Peter Schiff. I, I, I know a lot of people that are like Peter Schiff, the old... Uh, gold bucks if you will and, and i was a, a gold buck uh, at the time but um, people that 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 cannot program that 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 are late in the computer um, thing they will not appreciate the virtual uh, aspect of bitcoin and and they cannot understand uh, digital scarcity so they'll they'll clamp to 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 real estate and 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 their their trusted assets like like gold but uh, but in the end, um, yeah, the, uh, the younger people will uh, will um, will turn up and 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 uh, have all the money, and and those are people that have been uh, teached computers, and they have been on their iPhone all day, and they, they, there's nothing scary about digital assets at all, and and they'll that, that's what you see in family offices. So the younger generation is is pitching about Bitcoin, and the older generation is against it. And and uh, well, they, they try one percent, and that becomes ten percent of the allocation. And and I think that's that's how, how it will go. And even with my own uh, portfolio, I was I was like, uh, well, well, like most people, diversified twenty five percent real estate, twenty five percent equities, twenty five percent gold, twenty five percent. Uh, new stuff, alternative stuff, say Bitcoin. Um, but that Bitcoin percentage grew and grew and you learn and you think like, well, yeah, I'm not going to rebalance. I'm not going to sell my best best running asset to to put it into gold or something. So, or, or buy an extra house. Why should I? So, yeah, I think, I think it will be a very natural thing with uh, generations, uh, the new generations uh, coming into power. And from a gold perspective, everyone is very interested in the kind of the flippening, right? This idea that uh, Bitcoin's market cap will eventually grow to be bigger than gold's. Most people will point to gold's market cap at 10, 11 trillion dollars uh, and Bitcoin being right over one trillion. So kind of 10, 11 X. Uh, one of the things I've been very interested in is I actually think that gold's market cap is going to collapse uh, over time. And so the flipping doesn't happen around 10, 11 trillion. It happens somewhere lower. And maybe that's 9 trillion. Maybe that's, you know, 6, 7, 8 trillion. I, I don't really know where. But just the idea that uh, in order for Bitcoin to continue to grow, we are likely to see a collapse in gold's market cap. Is that your view as well? Or, or do you disagree? Yeah, I, I'm not a gold expert, but I know a lot of gold experts and I talk a lot with, a lot with them. Uh, so I might be wrong on the gold thing, but I agree that I think gold will eventually uh, um, go down in in, uh, in market cap and lose that money to uh, to other investments like real estate or Bitcoin. Um, what, what I think will ha what I think the big bet that that gold investors take is is that it will once again be used by central bankers as the backing of a new world currency. And that could very well be, right? The, the, the central banks are talking of the next Bretton Woods moment. They are talking about a global currency. Could very well be the IMF's uh, special drawing rights, the SCR. And, and yes, maybe that would be a uh, currency, a, 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 a SDR backed by gold, but that's the entire bet, the entire play they're doing. So if that happens, of course, gold will pump, will will go up in market cap, but I don't think they're going to do that. And I, and in fact, Bitcoin is much cleaner in in um, with 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 respect that it does not have to be uh, backed by anything. It's backed by well. Um, the energy uh, and the mining in, in Bitcoin, but not by another asset and not an account an accountability problem that's associated with that. Uh, and that we see in gold, for example, because, yeah, how much gold is there in Fort Knox? How much gold do the Chinese central bank, how much do they really have? We don't know. And and with Bitcoin, it's very transparent. It's, it's all on the blockchain. And yeah, in the end, uh, from a... Uh, thermal uh, dynamic point of view from an energy point of view 
that is so much more efficient for the human race. And uh, I guess, uh, it, yeah, we will tilt towards Bitcoin because it's just better money. I, I tend to agree. Do you think that uh, eventually the nation states adopt Bitcoin uh, and it kind of grows to be a global reserve currency? Do you think it's a currency of the Internet? H how do you see kind of the ultimate destination uh, for this asset if you think it's better money? Yeah, I think I think uh, governments will adapt Bitcoin like like El Salvador did. It kind of amazes me that not other um, states have uh, and, and nations have adopted it because it's the yeah most most logical thing to do, especially if they're under the uh, pressure and 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 uh, uh, regime of the IMF. If they're kept on a leash uh, with with debt, um, which is certainly something that most countries will probably uh, hate but uh, but of course the leaders of those companies will be uh, um, greatly uh, paid by by IMF and, and to keep to keep that status quo but yeah mo most countries would be better off by uh, switching to something other than debt and especially uh, US dollar denominated debt so especially in South America mid America Africa um, there must be countries uh, that that are, are going that route. And I, following the the Brazilian um, trend closely because that government is doing some very spectacular stuff, and I'm also following some Eastern European countries like the Ukraine and and um, uh, the countries that belong to former Russia and are now sort of more oriented to to Europe, but 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 not part of the European Union. So so they, yeah. They can they can switch to Bitcoin. I think some some countries will, and I really hope that that will happen. On the other hand, um, I do think it's in the end a uh, thing that's not decided by by states, especially in the United States um, and, and the Europe. It's it's something that's also decided by banks that um, that are already much larger larger than most states, especially um, states like uh, the Netherlands where where I live, which is very small. And a typical bank is like like a multiple in size of, uh, of that small country, so so companies, banks, and also people um, will decide that they park their money in Bitcoin and not in um, in their negative interest rate yielding uh, saving accounts uh, at the bank, and that will that will be a large and, and growing force with that same exponential. Uh, uh, constant exponential that we see in the Bitcoin price or my follower count or, or uh, some other things that go exponential. Very interesting. Plan B. I could literally talk to you for hours uh, over the years uh, as I've seen uh, your audience grow, uh, seen you put out more and more content. I've just been super impressed. Um, and so uh, I think now, I think this is true, uh, Michael Saylor, myself and you all have one million followers. My hope is that you beat me to 2 million. Because if you beat me to 2 million, <laughs> that means that you've not only continued, uh, but you've likely been right, uh, which means that most people uh, who are listening to this would uh, would be very, very big fans of you. So, you know, just from everyone else uh, and me, just thank you for uh, all the work that you've done, all the contribution you've made to the community. It's, uh, it's pretty cool to see um, how uh, somebody who literally I've never met in person, I don't know your name, I have no clue what you look like. Uh, I'm talking to a pseudonymous identity on the internet and uh, you, you've touched so many people, been able to build this large following and it's all because of the quality of the work. It just stands on that alone um, is pretty incredible. So just thank you for doing all that. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for that last minute boost uh, around the 1 million as well. That that really did it. <laughs> and I'm going after you guys, right? I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> Sailor and you are above me. And I sort of calculated already that um, maybe uh, before the summer uh, at the current uh, growth rate, I could be number one. But <laughs> who knows? Well, who knows? listen, I'm here putting your link uh, for people to follow you on Twitter in the chat. I may stop doing that if I know you're coming for me. <laughs> no, listen. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for everything, man. Of course. I appreciate you coming on. I think my brothers, uh, every day, they say, well, Plan B said. So uh, <laughs> so they're fans as well. Um, anyone who uh, who's listening to this, make sure you go follow them on Twitter. And, uh, and we'll talk soon, my friend. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye.